0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you join us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon.
1: We are nearing the end of our well series, and we're learning that no matter what our circumstances, it can still be well with our soul. Last week, we talked about Jesus in traveling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And the most direct route was through a region called Samaria. And the Samaritans, the people of that area, and the Jews did not get along. They hated each other. So there's a certain risk for Jesus to be passing through this territory. And as he was traveling, he he came to a town that had a bad reputation. And they stopped for a moment, and Jesus was tired from the journey. So his disciples went to get food, and he just sat down by a well known as Jacob's Well. And at high noon, a woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. And she was shocked that he, a Jewish man, would even talk to her, let alone ask her for a drink. And then Jesus offered her living water and said if she drank of the living water, she would never thirst again. And here's where we pick up our story at John chapter 4, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you are now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Boy, I love this interaction and what's going on here. It's so fascinating. The woman said to Jesus, give me this living water so I never have to come back. That was her reasoning. You see, she wasn't so much focused on a spiritual truth or a spiritual need. She was talking about something very natural that she had to deal with all the time. We addressed her request for living water last week, and and we noticed why she wanted it. She didn't want to have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. For her, coming to the well two times a day, which is what they usually did, was not a pleasant experience. It was not something she looked forward to. It it was something she dreaded. But you gotta have water. How many know that? You gotta have water to live, to cook, to clean your clothes. And so she had no choice. She had to make this journey, but she did not want to do it, and she did not look forward to it. And as I mentioned before, most women would come and draw water in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. No one would come in the sixth hour, which was noon. You wouldn't draw water in the middle of the day unless you didn't want anybody to see you, unless you didn't want any company. You know how it is at different times. If you, if you want to get through the line fast at Costco, you've got to go at a certain time. Don't go on a Saturday. It's ridiculous. It's crazy and insane. And so she knew when the right time to come to the well where there would be a chance that no one was there. Now remember that a well in Bible times was a gathering place, much like the water cooler used to be in a business. Remember the water cooler? You know, we haven't been able to gather around the water cooler since COVID. COVID's done so many things wrong to us. But it was a, it was a place of meeting. The, a well was outside of a, of a town, and it's where people came to, to do business, to have transactions, fellowship interaction. And certainly, a well was a place of gossip. If you wanted to hear the latest going on in town, this was the place to go. And so she knew that. And she didn't want to subject herself to a lot of criticism, ridicule, and, dis- and disdain because she had a reputation. She had five husbands that probably didn't like her anymore. And there were probably five ex-wives that really didn't like her anymore. And so she, she knew that if she came where people were at, she would face their scorn and ridicule. And so she was solitary in her guilt and her shame. She stayed isolated and alone, because that's what shame does. It keeps us isolated and alone, and that just makes it worse. And so if she could have this living water, she figured she wouldn't have to suffer for her sin on a daily basis because there were people there to remind her of her her sin constantly. But Jesus didn't offer this living water just to cover her shame. He offered this living water to cleanse her from shame forever. He didn't offer this water so she could stay in her bondage, but so she could be set free once and for all. You see, it wasn't To hide her pain. The living water wasn't to hide her pain, but it was to be a healing agent for her pain. And I I thought of this passage and this principle that as long as we're hiding, we can't be healed. As long as we hide our shame, hide our pain, hide what we're suffering from. If we if we stay in hiding in secrecy, which is what Satan drives us to do when we don't feel good about ourselves or we're not in a good place boy, we, Satan isolates us just to make us more miserable. And so this woman wanted to stay away from people, but in her isolation, it just made it even harder. Because shame drives us to hiding. And we see this with Adam and Eve at the very beginning. Look at Genesis 2, verse 25. At the end of creation, it says, The man and his wife are both naked, And they felt no shame. Note at the beginning that Adam and Eve did not know what shame was. They had never experienced shame. They had never experienced guilt. They had never experienced condemnation. They had never experienced regret in their life. Wouldn't wouldn't that be wonderful to live without those things? Wouldn't it be wonderful to never have shame or guilt or condemnation or regret about the things we've done. Adam and Eve had none of those negative emotions because sin hadn't entered the human race. And so here they are in the Garden of Eden, and they're naked and they don't even care because there's no sense of shame whatsoever for them because sin had not entered the human race. Oh, but you know the story. They were promised every tree in the garden except one. And that's the way sin is. We, We usually want the one thing we cannot have instead of thanking God for all the wonderful things we have. And so that one tree, they saw it day after day. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned, but I imagine it was some time and they would pass by that tree and get a little closer, a little closer until this wily old snake showed up one day and started talking. How many know that Eve should have known something was up when a snake starts talking to you? There's a problem here. And sadly that they took the fruit that God had said no to and they sinned and they were driven into hiding from their shame. Look at chapter 3, verse 8 of Genesis. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you? that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from when Adam and Eve sinned think of all the things that entered into the human race this sin brought them the wretched feeling of shame and it's for the first time humanity was afraid Adam said I was afraid and so I hid can you imagine living a life without fear That would be a wonderful experience, not to to be afraid of what anybody thinks of you, not to be afraid of death, not to be afraid of public speaking or anything like that. Can you imagine a life without fear? That's how it was in the Garden of Eden until sin came in. And where there's sin, there's shame, there's fear, there's regret, there's guilt, there's condemnation. That's what sin does. My first point is this, sin brings shame. That's what happens And like Adam and Eve, this woman was drowning in her shame. And Jesus came to end her suffering in shame. Um, Jesus was on a mission. Isn't this amazing that God would care so much about this woman who's had five husbands, who's living with a guy that she's not married to. This lady had quite a past. And yet God so loved this woman... She was an outcast from society. She was an outcast from her own people. She was an outcast in her own heart and mind. And yet God loved her enough to send his son Jesus to set her free. And I want you to understand that God loves you enough just as as well. He loves us enough to move heaven and earth that we may know him and his salvation. And so Jesus came to help this woman Be free of her shame. And so he said to her, go call your husband and come back. Now, whenever Jesus would ask someone a question, he already knew the answer. If God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. Or if Jesus would make a statement, it's because he already knew what was going on. He knew she had five husbands formerly. He knew her circumstances. He knew her reputation. And yet he says, go bring back your husband. Because this is an important step in getting free. You know, an alcoholic cannot be free until they're willing to admit they're an alcoholic. A sinner cannot be saved until we're willing to admit we're a sinner and need a savior. And so Jesus was bringing her to a place where she could acknowledge who she was and what she'd done. He had offered her living water, but she needed this living water more than Literal water. And so Jesus said, go call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. Now, it's important for us to note that Jesus met her need before he dealt with her sin. This is a great example of how evangelism should be. You see, we should meet the needs of people. We should reach out to them. We should show them the love of Christ before we deal with their sin, before we pile on their sin. Because the Bible says that people are already condemned. They're born in condemnation. And so for us to be effective in evangelism, we need to realize that people are sinners and they need a Savior. Now Jesus was going to deal with their sin. That has to be dealt with. We We have to understand that. But In sharing the Lord with people and reaching out to people, we first have to meet those needs. See, this this woman was thirsty, but more than that, she needed something spiritual in her life, and no one can overcome sin on their own. We all need a Savior, and so we we shouldn't look down on this woman because we've all sinned, the Bible says, amen, and one sin is not greater than another. And so we should look at her with compassion because we too are sinners in need of a savior. And so I've heard someone say that you have to catch a fish before you clean it. And so often we try to clean the fish first before we've even caught it. Now that's impossible. And so when we come to people, we first need to bring them to Jesus. And then Jesus will begin to deal with with that sin because sin is the problem facing the human race and Jesus is secure sin is what's bringing so much hatred and evil in our world sin is terrible and the results and the consequences of sin are terrible but the only way people can overcome their sin is not by themselves not by making themselves better not by trying to do it on their own you, they can't do it on their own none of us can do this on our own and we try we, th- we don't think we need other people. Well, you may not need other people, but other people may need you. And so if you don't feel that you need someone, just realize someone may need you. And so we see that people are sinners. That's no great revelation. Sinners sin. That's what they do. That's their job until they get saved. And we've often heard that phrase, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you know what? Jesus showed this woman that he cared for her. Number one, he talked to her, which was amazing. No, no Jewish man would talk to her, let alone be kind to her, engage her in a conversation, offer, ask for a drink, and then offer her something. I mean, it's, it's incredible how Jesus is showing compassion and care and concern to this woman. Oh, he knows her sin, and, and he's going to deal with that. But first, he shows her love. He reaches out to her where she's at. You know, we can't expect people to clean themselves up first and then come to Christ. You can't do it. you got to come to Christ, and then he'll clean you up. Jesus offered living water, but before she could drink of it completely, there's a few things that did have to be addressed. Before she could be healed of her shame she had to deal with her sin. At some point, we have to deal with our own hearts. We have to deal with our lives. And shame is often the result of unrepented sin. And so before any forgiveness or cleansing, we have to deal with it. We first have to come to Christ, but then we have to deal with our shame and our sin. And and sin is the source of shame. And so you got to go to the source, you got to deal with the source, or it's putting a Band-Aid on it. You know, we can tell people, oh, just, just be fine, you'll be fine. And it doesn't do any good for them. When we were living up in the Bay Area, we lived in one of the houses that the church owned in the parsonage, and it had this backyard, but on the property, there, was, there were feral cats, wild cats, and they're... Given birth all over the place on the property. But that's not what bothered me so much. What bothered me is these cats brought fleas with them. And so if the kids were out pr- playing in the yard, they'd come in and then there'd be fleas on them and then there'd be fleas in the house. I'd mow the lawn and my legs would be covered with fleas and I was getting so mad at these cats because I hate fleas. Let me tell you another story within a story. Okay, I'll find my way back hopefully. We, when I was in high school, I went to three different high schools in three different states. And so we were in Wyoming in my ninth grade year. And it had one of the worst winters they'd ever had in 40 years. And so it was miserably cold. And we had, the, we had this toy collie, this sheltie, you know, miniature collie. Everybody know what those are yep. His name was Samson. And so we had this dog and it had to go through the Wyoming winter of all winters. And then we moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, a town outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. So we moved when, when we moved, there was still snow on the ground. And we, I stepped off the plane in Corpus Christi, and it's like somebody hit me with a wet towel right in the face. I mean, it was 95 degrees, 95% humidity, and our poor Sheltie Collie had this winter coat on, and this dog's you know, tongue is like hanging down to the ground. It, it's just miserable. And so I felt so bad for this dog. And so I, did, I had an idea. Doesn't ever mean it was a good idea, but I, I had an idea. I said, you know what? He, he's going to die from heat exhaustion. So I took out the old clippers that Ma used to use on me and Dad and everybody else. And, and I put a towel down on the, on the floor in the house and I shaved this dog completely, except for its head. So it had the head of a collie and then the body of a pig. It was this pink thing. <laughs> I mean, alien, just scary kind of thing. And I didn't realize that's dangerous because we had gone away for a few weeks. My mom and I went, took a, we took a Greyhound bus from Corpus Christi, Texas to Reno, Nevada. But that's a whole nother illustration. If I go down that rabbit trail, I will never find my way back. But do I have some stories about that trip? Okay, back. We're back in Texas. And so what I didn't realize is that my dog was full of fleas. And so when I shaved that dog, fleas invaded our house. And so you would walk down the hall and your legs would be covered with fleas. And so mom and I took that trip to Reno and we told dad, make sure the fleas are gone when we get back. He had to hire a fumigator twice to get rid of the fleas. And when we came back, my pink little dog's skin was black he had gotten tan (laughs) while we were gone and so I that's why I hate fleas and so I didn't want to deal with fleas again I'd already been through that as a kid we are going to deal with these fleas so I called the humane well you got to get rid of the cats (laughs) one way or another now don't report me just stay with me I called the humane society and they said here's what we'll do we'll give you some traps to trap those cats. And I'm like, great. And then you have to, you got to catch the c- cats first and bring them into the humane society. And when you bring them into the humane society, you will have to pay to have them spayed and neutered. And I said, what? It was like 80 bucks a cat. And then once they're spayed and neutered, you have to take them back to your yard where they came from and leave them there. You cannot relocate them. You can't do anything with those cats. You will pay to have them spayed and neutered and then you will have to take them back. That does nothing for my flea problem. I'm telling you, being spayed and neutered doesn't keep you from getting fleas. So it it, it wasn't a solution. It was a whole lot of work for no results. And you know what? That's a lot like us sometimes. We we invest a whole lot of work and there's no results because we can't save ourselves. We need a savior to solve our shame problem. And that solution is repentance. My second point is Jesus brings salvation. When we repent, Jesus saves us. And Jesus is the only one. He is the only one that can take away our sin and shame. No one else can do this. Only Jesus. And Jesus wanted to save this woman. He wanted to bring salvation to her. He wanted to take away the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. Because there's something special about this lady that we'll see. And I want you to know that Jesus wants to do the same for you and me. He wants to save us. Do you know Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost, it says. That's why he came. He didn't didn't come to save the found. He came to save the lost. And Jesus said, you know, those that are not sick don't need a doctor. But I've come for the sick. And he meant the spiritually sick. And so we have to realize that before we can have this salvation, we need the Savior. Look with me at Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Did you hear that? How do we get rid of our shame? We put our trust in Jesus Christ. Because anyone who puts their their trust in Christ will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, salvation isn't that hard. Sometimes we make it too hard. Okay, you got to, you know, you got to follow all these rules. You got to do all these things. Just call on the name of the Lord. Give him your life. Believe and receive. It's simple. It's simple. God made it simple. Man makes it hard. And so we have this promise that if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. And if we trust in him, he will take away our shame. Salvation brings an end to our shame. So before Jesus gives her this living water she desires, Jesus says, go and call your husband and come back. See, she couldn't drink of the waters of salvation completely until she dealt with her current circumstances. She had to acknowledge what was going on in her life. You know, we have to admit and confess our sin before we can be forgiven and free of it. You got to own it, you got to be genuine, you got to admit it. And to do that, it's called confession. Confession is a prerequisite for forgiveness. It is taught in both the Old and New Testament. Look at Psalm 32, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Do you see that? you got to acknowledge not covered up, no hiding, no hiding like Adam and Eve. And if we confess our transgressions, he will forgive the guilt of our sin. And then in 1 John 1, 8 through 9, we know this scripture. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. None of us can claim to be sinless. None of us can say that we don't need a Savior. We all need a Savior, we're just at different stages of being saved. You know what I'm saying? And certainly we should grow and we overcome sin, but we, if we claim that we're, we're not sinners, we deceive ourselves. If we think we don't need a Savior, we, we need him more than anyone else. And verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. My third point is this, confession brings forgiveness. If we just own it, if we just tell God, God, I've sinned, I'm being honest here. You see, forgiveness should bring an end to our shame. We should not continue to live in shame and guilt and misery after we've repented. Repentance removes the regret. But if we continue to live in guilt, if we continue to live in shame, if we continue to live this way, it shows us that we don't understand grace. We don't understand God's grace. The key is confession. You see, you don't have to confess your sins to a priest to be forgiven. Because we already have a high priest in Christ Jesus the bible says we have a high priest we go to we go directly to Jesus because there's only one mediator between god and people and that is Jesus Christ according to 1 Timothy 2:5 and so we confess to the ones or the one we have sinned against there are times to go and confess to someone we've sinned against that's another thing that sets us free is when we're willing to, to own the hurt we've caused someone else, when we're willing to go and ask for forgiveness. You see, that's, that's part of this process as well because there is no forgiveness without confession. We have to own it. We, we can't blame everyone else for our problems. Now certainly, the, the challenges we've faced in life, the family we grew up in perhaps, or the circumstances we've endured, that certainly has affected us. But when we come to a certain place, we've got to own our own problems, amen? We've got to address our own situation. We have to acknowledge our own sin. We can't blame others after a while. We, we've got to stop making excuses. Because no one can make us sin. Oh, I know they can put a lot of temptation in our path. But no one can make us sin. Not even the devil. Did you know that? The devil cannot make you sin. Oh, he can tempt you. Oh, he can try. But even the the devil can't make us sin. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? There's far fewer hands in this service than there were in in second service. Now, for you youngsters, I'm sure he's on YouTube somewhere. But he was famous for what phrase? The devil made me do it. He, was, he, had, he did a variety show. When was that? The 70s, I think? Yeah, it was in the 70s. And he'd always have this skit. He was hilarious. And he'd always say, the devil made me do it. I got news for you. That's a lie. <laughs> the devil can't make you do anything. Nor can anyone else. Now, they can tempt us. They can hurt us. They can wound us. They can gossip about us like it happened to this woman at the well. But no one can make us sin. We can't blame it on others. And so the woman has an interesting answer. Jesus says, go and get your husband and then come back. And she says, I have no husband. How many know she's leaving out a few details? But it's a baby step She's being honest. And Jesus says, You're right. You're not married. You're shacking up. You're right about that. And even though she left out some of the details, well, the big details, Jesus commended her for speaking truthfully. Jesus said, What you have just said is quite true. In fact, you've had five husbands. You're not currently married. And so Jesus said something. He said, what you've said is true. This is important for us to understand. We have to speak the truth before we can be set free. Look at John. Later on in John, chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In verse thirty-six, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We we see here that the truth itself does not set us free. Knowing the truth is what sets us free. See how you know truth is truth, whether you believe it or not. It's truth, and so it's it's not just. The truth sets us free. It's knowing the truth that sets us free. And so, when we know the truth, we will know the Son of God. And when we know the Son of God, we will be free indeed. Number four, truth brings freedom. We have to face the truth. We have to be honest with ourselves, with others, and especially with God. Because he knows. And we've got to be real with God and say, God, it's me again. I've messed up, but I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin, and we know he's faithful to forgive. If we know the truth, believe the truth, and speak the truth, we will be free. And Jesus wants to set people free. But we have to face the truth about ourselves. We're going to partake of communion today. And I just want us to prepare our hearts. The Bible says before we're to take this bread and this juice, we're first to examine ourselves, do a heart check. to see if there's anything there that God wants to deal with and so I would invite you today just based on what we've studied are you struggling with sin communion is a good time to bring it to the Savior
0: you got to be honest
1: about it you got to say Jesus here I am you know everything about me you know even my thoughts before I speak them Maybe you're battling shame today, guilt and condemnation, and you have no reason to. You've been forgiven. You've confessed those things, but you know what? Satan does not want you to feel forgiven. One of the ways the devil torments God's children is by making them feel guilt that's already been forgiven. And I'm telling you what, if you keep bearing guilt after you've been forgiven, it'll just drive you deeper into sin. This is why confession is so healthy. It puts a stop to that, of the hiding and the secrecy. And we're able to face the truth. And so if, if you're struggling with guilt and shame or condemnation today, as we, as we sing this song, I would invite you, just give it to the Lord. Just talk to Him between you and the Lord. It's, it's time to stop living in guilt and shame and regret. All oh, regrets. These are miserable emotions that came because of sin. But Satan wants you to live in that misery because there is a cure and it's confession to Christ and forgiveness of sin. And so I'm gonna read this scripture and we're gonna sing. And during this song, let's, let's look deep in our hearts. God has been just piercing my heart so deeply If there's anything unresolved in your past, there's living water waiting for you. If there's anything unresolved in your heart, unconfessed in your life, now's a good time to bring that to the Lord. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's sing this song as we examine our hearts.
0: Who knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled himself And he carried the cross Love so amazing Yes, Lord. Love so Yes, Lord. He's the name, the name above all names, Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel, Emmanuel, who will rescue for.
1: Messiah Lord of all would you take the bread as we pray Lord God we hold in our hands a piece of bread that represents the bread of life Jesus Christ it represents sacrifice Jesus you are willing to give your life for us And it reminds us of this Memorial Day of those men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice as well. It's such a picture of communion and Jesus, what you did. And so we're grateful for the sacrifice. We don't take it lightly. Though it's free to us, it costs God everything. So as we eat this bread, we thank you for the sacrifice, Lord, that you made for us. And I pray we'd be willing to make the same sacrifices for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Aren't you glad he's coming? He's coming. He's coming soon. And in the meantime, he leaves us these pictures so we will hold on. Let's pray over the juice. Jesus, you shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus, we're grateful that we are forgiven. Oh just as men and women shed their blood so we can freely worship in this nation and in this country. Jesus, you made us free by your blood, free from sin, free from guilt, free from condemnation and regret and all of those things the enemy tries to throw at us, to tear us down and to keep us imprisoned. You've you've set us free by your blood. So we, as we drink it in, I pray we would drink in your forgiveness, Lord. We confess our sins. We repent of our sins. And we believe you will forgive us our sins and make us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you drink of the cup? Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. you free to go.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.